What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Show podcast. And today we're going to be recording episode number 40. And I think I'm going to be titling this one, Don't Allow Winner's Game to Become a Loser's Game. Um, and what that means is really when we think about investing in the stock market, um, the idea of why we even invest in the stock market is because we believe that uh, we can grow our money in the stock market. And history has shown us that if we put our money in the stock market, generally speaking, it goes up. Um, but there's some very uh, telltale signs of when it stops becoming a winner's game and when it starts becoming a loser's game. Just like when you go to the casino, um, and I keep bringing up the casino because I used to be, before I was an investor, I used to be an avid blackjack player. I probably play blackjack once a week. And first, kind of started out as a hobby, <laughs> if, you, if anything. I don't know if gambling is really a hobby, but it was a hobby. I played at home, played with some uh, uh, friends and family members. We had a good time playing, uh, but then it escalated to me going to the casino and playing. And I knew that uh, in blackjack, the odds were the closest I was ever going to get in any other casino game, right? They were as close to 50-50 as possible, but there is this slight house advantage, right? The house has a slight advantage for for a couple of reasons. One is uh, the house um, goes last, right? So you can bust out uh, before the house even makes a play. So there is that uh, sort of minor, minor advantage where you could potentially lose before the house even plays the hand. And of course, there are some hard and set rules as far as um, uh, what, the, what the house can and cannot do and how many decks they use and things like that. But for the most part, it's pretty close to a 50-50, but I would say the house gets about a half a point or 1% advantage uh, just based off the fact that the house can, can win without playing a hand, technically. Um, same thing applies really to the stock market. Um, it's, it's pretty much a 50-50 chance any given day. If you walk into the stock market uh, and you buy uh, a stock, that it's going to go up or down, right? Like there's there very few times that I would say it's not 50-50. It's either green or it's red. Uh, it's not uh, like uh, it could be anything else. But what happens is uh, over the longer term, let's say over, uh, uh, let's say a month or over a year, over 10 years, chances are um, more in your favor that it's going to be up than the than down or green than red um while at the blackjack table it's quite opposite the more hands that you play at the blackjack table um because of that slight edge that the house has the more money you're going to lose right and the way i want you to think of this is um uh, in terms of playing hands is you your portfolio and what you buy in it. So let's say you buy an index fund. You play one hand. Well, then if you sell that index fund and you buy another one, then you're playing another hand, right? And I think the same thing exists in the stock market. The more hands that you play in the stock market, the worse off you're going to do in the long run, just like the, just like the, um, the uh, casino. And the reason being... I think it's quite simple. Um, when you when you think about what happens when you when you trade, is you're basically trading with other people, okay, other investors. So you buy something, you're buying it from another investor, and then you sell something, you're selling it to another investor. That's all good and dandy, 
But there is this uh, sort of house in the middle, and that house is known as Wall Street. Now, on certain funds, uh, Wall Street has redemption fees, and they have expense ratios and things like that that the, the management firms charge. So probably wouldn't be a good idea to trade um, in and out of mutual funds. And a lot of mutual funds are structured so that you can't buy and sell them uh, within a one-month period like that, uh, just because of how they're structured. But there's no limitations on ETFs um, and on individual stocks, right? So you think, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to uh, you know, buy and sell these things. But there is somebody in the middle that collects um, on every sale. And that's Wall Street and that's the government. So there's a little bit of a slight tax, one, that is collected on a sale of a stock from the government. It's SIPC insurance. So it means like less than a penny, I think. Um, and then there's also what's known as, as a bid as spread. Um, and a bid as spread basically says, okay, I have this person willing to sell for this price and I have this person willing to buy for this price. And there's just a little bit of a spread in the middle. Uh, that kind of goes unnoticed, but uh, generally the whoever the broker that you're using, if they're and you've seen this probably in the news with Robinhood, uh, but but what they do is they push your orders out to these uh, so-called market makers, and they're collecting this little spread. Could be a few pennies, depending on 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 again the volume of what you're trading. But it could be a few pennies, or it could be something significant. Again, it all depends. Well, over time, the more of these things that you execute, the more and more that middleman or that casino collects and the more and more it turns into a loser's game. Um, the less of that you do uh, means that you get to keep more for yourself. So you, it's less for Wall Street and it's more for Main Street investors, right? But what's funny is uh, people, when, when they go into a casino, they're not going to the blackjack table to play less games. They're going to the blackjack table. Um, they're usually emotionally charged. Uh, adrenaline pumping, and they're going there to take the house down, even though the odds are not in their favor. Well, same thing I see here in, 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 in on the investment side in the stock market is people are going in there trying to take the house down. What they need to understand, at, le- at least these retail investors like you and I, what we need to understand is we're uh, going against each other. <laughs> and um, it's, it's funny that... Uh, People don't understand this, but the stock market is uh, the return or the sum of all investors' gains and losses, right? That's what ends up being the the stock market return. So some investors make money, some investors lose money. When you put that together, um, that's what you get. You get it's like a it's a, it's a zero sum game, right? You got one investor making, one investor losing. You put them together, that's what the stock market return is without any fees though. Once you add fees to the equation, all of a sudden uh, the, 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 it tilts towards more of a losing streak, right? There's more because fees take away. So if, if 50% of investors made money, 50% of investors lost money, well, once you add the fees to all that trading activity, it's no longer 50-50. Now it's like uh, 49% of investors made money and 51% of investors lost money. Of course, the greater the fees, the more that edge tilts over to how many people lost money. Nothing different there than the game of blackjack. It, it's literally the same thing when I think about it is you start with a, a 50-50 game. And then you have the casino uh, that gets to go last. So they have a little bit of a house advantage, just like the stock market. Stock market doesn't care if the price goes up or down. 
uh, they get to go last. They get to execute the trade and still collect no matter what happens. Um, so what I, what I want to tell you guys to do is you want to get out of the casino and you want to stay out, but not in terms of the actual casino. If you're still going to an actual casino and you spend a few hundred bucks, that's fine. But I'm saying the, the casino, the stock market, um, you should not be uh, letting your hard-earned dollars go to waste in the stock market. What you should be doing is just buying a simple index fund and just buying it over and over again. You should never, ever hit the sell button um, and kind of want you to mentally block out the sell button out of your mind because I want you to think of it as every time you you hit the sell button, you're giving away free money to Wall Street. Um, and it's it's such a simple concept to grasp, but it's so difficult to grasp because it's like Wall Street makes everything so um, sophisticated that most of us think that we're doing something wrong if we're just buying an S&P 500 index fund. Like, oh my God, like there's all these investment products and I'm just buying an S&P. Like, I'm not properly diversified. I'm not, uh, my risk is through the roof or this or that. And, and the thing is, and we were just talking about this in our Discord last uh, this morning or last night, I remember, but uh, Kevin, keep a big shout out to you again, Kevin. I know I keep shouting you out, but um, you know, we were talking about that. Uh, I forgot the name of the, let me pull it up actually now. There's a mutual fund from um, Vanguard. It's called the Vanguard Market Neutral Fund, neutral fund investor share. Symbol is VMNFX. And I'm just going to read this to you to show you how... Uh, it's not a 50-50 game. So the product summary says, this fund has a unique and complex investment approach compared to other Vanguard funds. Its goal is to neutralize or limit the effect of stock market movement on returns. Because of this, the fund return is often uncorrelated to to that of the stock market. Unlike other Vanguard funds, this fund uses long and short selling strategies, which involve specific risks not apparent in traditional mutual funds. The fund may be appropriate for a small portion of an already well-diversified portfolio. You might ask yourself, man, that seems really complex. I don't even know what that just means right there. I don't either. <laughs> it's a bunch of uh, sounding good terms put together to make you feel like you're very smart and this fund is very complex. VMNFX. Well, then what I want to do is I want to pull up the expense ratio for this fund and its uh, expense ratio is 1.18%. Um, that's pretty high. That's 118 basis points. I said, okay. And then what I want to do is pull up the year-to-date returns of the fund. And year-to-date, the fund has done 11.53%. Uh, compare that just to the S&P 500. Year-to-date, the S&P 500 has done 22.83%, which is still okay. Uh, it's underperforming, but it said that it would underperform or that it would be uncorrelated to the market. So then I said, okay, let's see what the five-year returns look like on the fund. Over the past five years, the fund has done negative 14.82%. I said, wait a minute. The last five years, big, big bull market, this fund has done negative 14.82%. This is a losing fund. But, you know, in the description, it's complex. It's Let me read the description again because 
This will make you think like S&P 500 sucks. Listen to this description again. Product summary. This fund has a unique and complex investment approach. Okay. In the last five years, it's done negative 14.82%, but it gets better than that. This fund, on the all-time numbers, since January of 2000, has done negative 4%. Let's wrap our minds around that. Since this fund's existence, it has been negative, but it has a unique and complex approach. Um, another thing they want to point out is part of the, uh, uh, what they were talking about is it's basically, uh, limited to basically how much it it moves, right? So it's saying, um, here, let me find the exact sentence that they used. Here it is. Its goal is to neutralize or limit the effect of stock market movement on returns. So they're claiming, okay, well, you know, this fund is so complex, but, it's not going to lose you a lot of money. Uh, it, it, it's safe. It's it's going to neutralize the risk of the stock market. <laughs> what did I say at the beginning of this podcast? Right? What did I say um, the whole purpose or how the whole purpose of investing is? Right? We said don't allow winner's game to become a loser's game. So don't let the risk of the stock market scare you so much and that you have to develop some kind of complex strategy that you end up losing to the market. It's, guys, it's so simple. This fund for the last 20 years has charged 118 basis points and its all-time return is negative 4%. That is the pure definition of allowing a winner's game to become a loser's game. And I'm just going to use a comparison to show you what the S&P 500 has done in that time frame um, because I think what you'll find is, is astonishing. In that same time period, January of 2000 to now, let me pull this up here so you guys know I'm not making numbers off the top of my head. The S&P 500 has done 215%, okay, 215%. In that same 21-year stretch, while this fund has done negative four. If this is not the pure definition of letting a, a, a winner's game become a loser's game, I don't know what is. And what I uh, see a lot of is people are afraid of simplicity uh, because it's not complex enough. And there's this weird stigma that your investment portfolio should be very complex. Yeah. People are... are uh, trying to outsmart uh, not just themselves, but they're trying to outsmart each other and by one-upping each other with complex strategies, with uh, all these things sprinkled in that Wall Street advertises as uh, the next big thing when it's not that difficult. Um, I'm a big, probably one of the biggest uh, haters of uh, cryptocurrencies, and I openly talk about this. I, I have nothing against cryptocurrencies are what they stand for and the goal that they're trying to reach decentralized currency i love it Um, power to the people i love that as a form of investment though just thinking of this uh, as a logical investor that i am 
as a form of investment, it's not an investment. It's it's really a speculative. It's speculation on price. It's no different than saying the value of the dollar will rise and fall. There's no difference between saying the value of Bitcoin goes up and down, uh, or the value of the dollar goes up and down. It's the same exact thing. Or the price of oil, or the price of corn, or the price of meat. It's all uh, uh, I would label a commodity, and I would label a a speculative bet that the price of something will do that. The reason it's not the same as investing in an S&P 500 index fund, because I've I've actually had people argue with me that um, investing in the S&P 500 is no different. You're just speculating that the S&P 500 is going to be worth more in the future than what it is now. True statement, and I agree with that. The only difference is I'm not betting on the price of the S&P 500 as much as I'm betting on what's behind the S&P 500. Behind the S&P 500 is 500 of the largest businesses in the United States that are producing goods and services that uh, consumers are using in the marketplace and that is getting reinvested back into these companies and then they're growing through dividends and, and earnings. That's the difference. Versus something like a commodity it's what are you willing to pay for it today? And the thing is, you cannot measure what you're willing to pay for for a, a, a piece of crypto today. Uh, there's no measurement. Uh, I can easily say, okay, well, for the S&P 500, uh, based off the P ratio, based off the dividend yield, based off future forecasted returns, this is how much I'm willing to pay for it today. It's pretty easy to calculate. You can't do that for a commodity. So when I say, again, I'm going to repeat it one more time because I really think this is very, very important. Do not let a winner's game turn into a loser's game because you're afraid that your portfolio is not complex enough. If you just have the S&P 500, I'm telling you right now, you have 500 of the biggest companies in the United States. You can stop there. You don't have to uh, then go... Uh, and get small cap value again international you certainly can but you don't have to you're already well diversified you imagine a person who's picking individual stocks and has like 10 um, stocks in their portfolio i was recently watching a a video I i try to really stay away from these guys but these bigger youtubers but i was watching a video and this financial youtuber's got like 1.7 million dollars in his account now i'm not gonna get on yeah i'm just gonna get on this side tangent before i actually get into what's in his account i i just want to say guys the bigger the youtube channel the more they make from youtube ad revenue the more money they could pour into their portfolio so in essence which what's happening is they put out a video that's either clickbaity or bad information about a stock you watch that video they make more money they take that money and they invest it into this bad stock <laughs> and it makes it look like, oh, uh, these people are geniuses because now they have $1.7 million. Well, guys, they're getting paid $100,000, $150,000 a month <laughs> from YouTube. So, yeah, if, if I just had 150000 I could keep uh, dumping into a portfolio. Even if I pick the worst stocks... Um, I'm still going to come to a million dollars fairly quickly. I mean, I, even if I lost half of it, I still have 75. So if you just put in 75, 
or 150, but you lose 50%, you still have 75. And that just keeps compounding. Every month you put in 150,000, you lose 50%. Well, now you have 150. And then so, so forth and so forth. So uh, don't be fooled by what you see on YouTube. YouTube is 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 a fake reality. I'm telling you right now. Um, I try to be the most transparent I can on YouTube, but you still don't know uh, behind the scenes everything that I know, right? And And you still don't have the perspective of that I have uh, just because I'm I'm in it now I'm, I'm a small fish in a big pond and never gonna pretend that I'm something that I'm not um, I, I stay true to who I am very few people can do that but if I was having a portfolio that was growing because of YouTube income and then pushing it uh, by saying that uh, the reason my portfolio is growing is because I have these crazy stock picks um, you sh- it's just blows my mind just blows my mind anyways this guy says he's got a diversified portfolio and i think he had five stocks in there there's tesla tattoo chef um course air gaming smile direct club and there was another one i forgot now so most of those stocks i've never heard of before i've heard of tesla and i think he was an early on investor in tesla that's how he made most of his money and how he became popular on YouTube. Um, those other stocks are really small. Like Smile Direct Club, I think, is worth a few market cap of a few million, if I'm correct. Um, Tattoo Chef, I don't know, maybe a few billion. Very small cap stocks. Stocks that are like in their infancy, usually. Stocks that are very risky. And that's being pushed forward as proper diversification. You got five stocks across different sectors, properly diversified. Um, That's not proper diversification. So if you have the S&P 500, think about this. You have 500, 500. No other person that picks individual stocks can buy 500 individual stocks, okay? Uh, Because it's just way too much to keep track of. But buying an S&P 500 index fund, you have 500 of them. So believe me when I say this, you are diversified. Could you be more diversified? Yes. Could you then look at international small cap value, mid cap value? You can look at a whole bunch of things. But remember, what did I say at the beginning? Do not allow a winner's game to become a loser's game. So just because you add diversification for the sake of adding it doesn't mean it's going to do you any good. And I think a lot of the things that people might do is especially now is they're adding stuff that has done really well in the past so they're adding the qqqs they're adding the arc they're adding the fncmx because they see the last 10 years it's doubled the returns of the market so it's clearly going to keep doubling the returns of the market that's how the stock market works right they're adding it at the wrong time and they're going to turn a winner's game into a loser's game when this stuff goes sideways. Same thing that people, uh, and it's hard to do, and I get it, because I'm in, I'm in a boat now where uh, 20% of my portfolio international is underperforming greatly, and it's very difficult to hold that and keep reminding myself there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But in in, in the case of international, I have no doubts that international will have its uh, a day in the light eventually and it will be performing uh, better or a lot better than, than the U.S. market just based off uh, 
looking at current evaluations. Same thing with small cap value. Small cap value has been drugged through the mud for a few decades now, but it will have its day in the light and it will perform well. But what I'm trying to get at is that is a portfolio that is well, uh, very well put together and thought through very well, but still has a, a built-in safety net of 60% uh, is going to the U.S. stock market because just in case I'm wrong, I don't want to turn a winner's game into a loser's game. I want to have that uh, kind of 60% majority of the portfolio is, is exposed to the U.S. stock market. Unfortunately, what what I think I'm, I'm seeing here with a lot of people is they are um, turning a winner's game into a loser's game and they're either betting on short-term stuff, they are buying into speculation and hype, they're buying into commodities, they're buying into stories and what-ifs, they're buying into this is the next big thing, or they get one stock correct and uh, they think they're going to be able to pick the next best stock for the rest of their life. And unfortunately, it does not does not work that way. So if you're listening to this, please, please just keep it simple. Buy stuff that you understand. And remember, stay away from complexity and stay away from either brokers or investment firms trying to sell complex things that you cannot understand. If you can't understand it and explain it back to me, then why the heck are you putting your money in it? Remember, guys, this is not a casino. This is a long-term approach to building wealth. Casinos are get-rich-quick schemes. You don't go to a casino to build wealth. You go to a casino to hit it big and hopefully walk out with millions. This is not what this is. Can it happen? Yes. The odds of it happening, slim to none. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Until next time, remember, move obstacles, keep investing. 